Welcome to the NIGHTSHIFT Football Podcast by USLEGS. Welcome to the Nutshift Football Podcast. We're back into European club football this week. Coming to you that time in, uh, that was apparently a Russian accent according to the free translations website on Google, whatever. Uh, we're back into European club football this week. The international break is over and we're on for episode 60. Keep an eye out for episode 60.1 where we'll talk about Adelaide's loss to Melbourne victory. Oh, no good. Keep an eye out on the socials, Facebook, Insta, Twitter, all that jazz. Plenty going on. We've got the old firm. We've got some Premier League. We've got some calamitous defending we're going to talk about. I think we're going to start off with the World Cup draw, though. It's been run and done. Uh, Tommy's on the other end of the line. How you doing, mate? All the better for the intro, as always. I like how she spelled it out this time. Uh, N-I-G-H-T. Yeah, that was weird, just, wasn't it? Yeah, just elongates a little bit further. Just say night. Uh, when, you say Russian, when you say the Russian accent, is it like... A, it's, so it's a Russian-born English speaker. <laughs> she should know look, what night I, is. I, I imagine so, but the uh, look, I didn't build the website, all right? I just uh, you really type it in. For, I press you get speak. nothing for free. Nah, nothing for free. We'll just stick to the Google Translates from now on. Those usually go all right. Um, it was in Russian in, uh, in honour of, uh, well, Russian accent in honour of Chelsea's uh, humbling at the hands of Brentford, which we will no doubt get to later. Let's start with this World Cup draw, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, well, are we going to pretend Australia is going to be in it or should we just take the neutral observer from the outset? We'll, we'll go with the latter. We'll start with uh, the Group A, the hosts, the uh, definitely not corrupt World Cup winning hosts, Qatar. No, no asterisks <laughs> next to that whatsoever. They won it fair and square, you guys. Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, the Netherlands. What do you make of this one? There's, it's, it's the usual gimme group for the host. You throw one, you know, kind of, I guess, fading giant, out of form giant perhaps, and then you throw in two wild cards and you think, okay, the host nation should be able to roll the other two. Get out second or create a story and finish first by beating the Netherlands. Uh, you know, maybe disrespectful to Ecuador, Senegal, but... I, I don't know. Qatar's not, they're not a terrible footballing nation. I think they finished bottom of this group though. I've got a... You reckon? Yeah. I'm putting them bottom of this group. There you go. They did win the Asian Cup. I thought they were, they weren't too shabby in that competition. Um, yeah. I still, I think they'll finish bottom of the group. I'm going Netherlands, Ecuador, Senegal, Qatar in that order. Oh, damn. There you go. I have to look a little bit further into Ecuador, I think. Like I said, I just cursory glance at the teams that were in what groups, some of them I thought, oh, damn, they qualified. Awesome. Good on them. Yeah, lovely. Let's have a go at Group B then. This one might pique your interest a bit more. Features England, features Iran, USA, and it's going to feature either Wales, Ukraine, or Scotland. Ukraine still to play Scotland. The winner of that will face Wales for a spot in this group. Well, if they wanted to try and keep this World Cup apolitical, great job. Well done. <laughs> Someone, I think the best tweet I saw was uh, way to make the literal group of death guys. <laughs> literal group of death. It's, it's, it's a great spectacle, England versus USA, for sure. Whether or not it's going to be an actual game, I don't know. But great spectacle when these two nations face off. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to go the route of uh, England 
winning the group with Wales. I'm predicting Wales to qualify over Ukraine and Scotland and then Wales to come second in that group ahead of the US and Iran. Yep, good shout. Iran's um Iran will throw their weight around. Um, you know, they've got um you know, they've got they've got some bombs in their team without a doubt. I just always hate to discount the the Asian nations, I think. A little bit of little bit of parochialism as we go into this World Cup. Uh, I'm with you though, Wales will probably qualify um in the playoffs and get through in the group, I'd say. Yeah, I think um the USA, they didn't make the last one, did they? No, they did not. They weren't at the last last World Cup, so they're bouncing back. England, obviously, that we're gonna have to deal with all the it's coming home nonsense. Um, it won't come home though, so never mind that. I would say, yeah, prior to the the Euros, they're probably in a worse position now than they were, you know, going to the last World Cup potentially as well. There's the yeah. added weight of expectation without probably the additional firepower or even just kind of recent results to back it up. I know they're only friendlies. Uh, the Switzerland game wasn't that great. I don't think that, you know, yeah, it looks like they're going to play with the three uh, defensive-minded midfielders: Rice, Phillips, Henderson, and that you know, if they're going to go through a tournament and win everything one nil, two one, best of luck to them. Uh, I think they've shown they can't do that, and you, they might find themselves in a similar situation coming up against a free-scoring Germany or France if they can get yep. their shit together. I definitely think they're still pretty short at centre back. That may, right. that may be the only area of the pitch they've got a bit, or maybe central midfield as well. Once you, you know, you got Henderson and uh, Henderson Phillips, but I, I guess they've got Rice. I don't know, but at centre back just looks so bad. Like Mings don't rate that highly at all. We, yeah. um, we've covered Harry Maguire to death. I don't know. A lot of pressure, like you said, and they're, I don't know if they can do it. Neither do I. They kind of look suspect in goals again. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not sure. They can't figure out who the best right back is. They're almost spoiled for choice in that yep. respect. And whichever one you play with is kind of going to dictate your attacking movement and who else you pick uh, around the pitch. And I don't think Southgate wants to do that kind of thing. I think he'd like to stick to one team that he can put out there most games this well, time think, around. Didn't he? He, hasn't try, yeah, he did switched it. He yeah. did try that in the Euros, didn't he? Um, and it, it did almost work. But I mean, they they should be with their firepower. They should be competing. In um, the Euros, they should be getting deep into it. Um, yeah, the right-back argument's interesting because I guess you could probably narrow it down to to three or two. Do you narrow it down to Kyle Walker, James, and Trent, or do you drop Walker out of it? And That's the thing. Maybe you play Walker at left-back, which he did uh, in the opening game of the, um, the Euros campaign, I think, against Croatia. Could potentially do that. I don't know. This is the thing. He's a defense. He wants to play a defensive-minded game, and so there's an abundance of defensive-minded options. I think. You know, you're not even considering Conor Gallagher. I think played a half against Switzerland. Um, it was equal parts great and equal parts shit. And it's just like I don't. I don't know if there's going to be any bolters from this Premier League season or the six months leading into the the World Cup that are going to go into this team and, you know, give it some sort of dynamic edge. It's going to be the same thing we've seen. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair. But I still think they win their group. Um, in a canter. Knocked out on a pen- in a penalty shootout at some point, no doubt. Oh, Germany quarterfinals <laughs> all over. Group C. 
uh, is a tricky one, I think, because I think we've got four pretty evenly matched teams, although Argentina are in there. Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Argentina grow an extra leg when they play in the World Cup, I think. And it just it means so much more to them than any other than I think any other nation that competes in the World Cup. Other than maybe perhaps Brazil. And you can have that argument. And so you would comfortably have them in this, but you know, you can't predict the sort of off-field drama that's going to go on with Argentina in the build-up. There's always, you know, the threat of a messy retirement. There's always a coach spat <laughs> with one of the you know, group's best players. They don't want to rock up anymore. There's some kind of travel issue. Like, come on. It's just, it happens routinely with these guys. Yeah. Give you a prediction for Argentina, I think a month out, see what their preparation is like. Yeah. It's a tough group to pick. I don't know a lot about Mexico these days. Um, and Poland, they're kind of the, the one man that everyone thinks of as is Lewandowski, but they, they do have a few other good players in there, but I'm backing, uh, Saudi Arabia to get out of this group. I don't know if top or second, but I think Saudi Arabia probably a better football side than Mexico and Poland. It's a good call. I think Saudi Arabia qualify as the best nation coming out of Asia. Certainly the most um, consistent. Yeah, yeah, potentially. I think you know Iran. You could probably argue as well, but ahead of Australia, Japan, obviously. Um, I actually think they've got a harder group. Than, um, than Qatar, definitely. And perhaps even Iran. I think Iran probably face a better chance. Mexico qualified second uh, out of CONCACAF and looked, from the few games that I watched of theirs, I thought they looked like a, like a cohesive unit with that kind of individual flair that can break open a game and really put you know the stronger nations on the back foot. They come up against nations definitely within their grasp, and I think that they can... Um, take it to them and be being being upset be a bit of a shock here like you said poland maybe self-reliant uh Lewandowski, not too much like you said there's some good players getting around in poland as well uh, but you think the european nation goes in there thinking that they should get out of this and i think mexico can surprise them yeah i agree with all of that excellent uh we get along to group d now so this is where should australia manage to get past the uae um and then they get past that. They'd have to play Peru for a spot in this group that has France, Denmark, and Tunisia, two teams mm. that Australia met uh, in their last World Cup. Uh, if you want to hear us whinge about Australia not going through automatically, you can check that out um, <laughs> on last week's episode. Episodes one through 50. We won't, <laughs> we won't go through all that again, but um, Arnie can eat it. France, Denmark, they're the two sides we'll be thinking to get out of this, no matter who goes through out of Australia, UAE, and Peru? Yeah, probably. Probably. Uh, come on. I'm going to self-confess here. I don't know much about Tunisia. Um, Neither. <laughs> just, you know, judging by the last World Cup's performance, I thought going into it, Australia could upset Denmark. Uh, but there's no way Australia would beat this Denmark team now, I think, four years on from that performance. No, definitely. Yeah. Even, you know, we even showed it to France, I thought. It was quite a close game in the end and it needed a, a Pogba, not a worldie, but definitely a really nice Pogba goal to beat us. No, we wouldn't compete in this. We'd finish dead last again, I think. I think we'd go into the Tunisia game in the third one after being beaten twice, thinking, oh, okay, we need a result to get out of this and get absolutely slaughtered. Well, I reckon we, uh, we'd lose to France, Denmark and get a draw with Tunisia, but 
Yeah. Go home, pat ourselves on the back. That's the best we could hope for. Yeah, we got a what? point at the World Cup. Good Congrats, effort, boys. Guys. Well done. Good work, Arnie. Keep him for another 10 years. Woo! Do you think um do you think the UAE or Peru would do any better than us? No. Probably not. How does it you know, in a chance group draw like this, how do you end up getting potentially three of the same teams in the same group again? That's ah, uh, you, you know, just the, the old luck of the draw, isn't it? The luck of the draw. Luck of the draw, but there's so many variables, so many different options. Potential Look, mate, I don't, I don't pull the balls out the pot. All right, don't take it no, up with me. Take it up, up with Jermaine Genus. Take it up with some guy, Tim Cahill or someone like that. There's a bunch yeah, of he was there, wasn't he? Yeah, there was a bunch of slob ex professionals there cashing in on the Qatari thing, being the ambassadors. Slags. Yeah, take it the slags. Uh, we're not group- referring to the audience. We're referring to these guys when we say slags. Oh yeah, no, we love our audience. Group E. Uh, Spain, Germany, Japan, and either Costa Rica or New Zealand. Bless Costa Rica, New Zealand. <laughs> New Zealand for, for the win. For having a crack at getting in here. But if they do, I feel like uh, wh- whoever that is comes last behind these three sides. Yeah, Spain, Spain, Germany. You back them both to go through. But yeah, I mean, Germany have uh, underperformed recent tournaments. True, true. Um, you could almost... Oh, no, I thought Spain actually had quite a good Euros and World Cup prior to that. I saw there was a prominent Japanese um, football writer who came out after the draw and was like, what is even the point of qualifying? Every time you just get um, partnered up with two European powerhouses, why do we even try? (laughs) You would look at this and think, yeah, why why, why would you bother? Well, well, this is the World Cup, bro. Who are you hoping to get? I think he wanted to get Ecuador, Senegal and Qatar. (laughs) I'm not sure. How are the pots? Like the pots are seated and stuff, aren't they? Like they're yeah, of course, yeah, they're seated. Depending on where you finish in your qualifying, you can't just you know draw nobody's Japan. Come on, you're better than that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't really have much more to add. I do think it's Spain a walkover Japan, group. I just it? I do think it's funny that Costa Rica and New Zealand are like. <laughs> I like to think that they'll be playing each other, kind of like that. Um, you know that South Park episode where the the kids are deliberately baseball. trying to lose baseball. <laughs> My mind went straight there. Neither of them wants to play. It's like, come on, guys, just just beat us. We don't want to play either. <laughs> Randy's off fighting people in the crowd. Yeah, excellent oh, boy. Yeah. Group F, Belgium. <laughs> like, why why are we making the World Cup bigger? Just on this, like, why are we going to make the World Cup bigger when there's already too many teams in it? Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia in this group. I'm putting my house on Croatia and Belgium going through. Maybe yeah. not necessarily, but definitely Canada last. Morocco. Hmm. So it kind of it's a process of elimination, isn't it? There are some suspect nations in this World Cup. None greater than if the Socceroos make it. You you may <laughs> be selling Canada a little bit short here. I might um, be, but. Bloody they God. finished top of um, whatever it is, Conmebol, Concacaf, one of them. Concacaf, I believe Conmebol is uh, South America, isn't it? Nah, yeah, someone's going to tell us we're wrong. It's it's in the American part of the world. They, you know, they they have a good team. They've got some they've got some handy young footballers coming through now, and yeah, they're probably going to finish third, <laughs> fourth. Nah, come on, Morocco aren't that good. Is this the, the big question? Is is this the tournament Belgium finally win something? 
Uh, I have to say no. But they've been number one for so many years. Yeah, well, rankings, are, we all know they're a bit pish. They don't mean a whole lot. I just, is their team complete enough? It probably is. Uh, I don't know. What are they doing at centre-back? That's the issue for me. Yeah, centre-back and, and full-back regions. Yeah, the um, the midfield, obviously, your De Bruyne's and co. Like, your players like Eden Hazard and that have dropped off. Drius Mertens is now pretty old. Um, Lukaku's in horrible form. Diabolical um, form, yeah. So, I don't know. They've got some time to get it together, but who knows? I, I still, I think they go through in this group with Croatia. I'd be back in Croatia to finish top of the group purely on, um, I don't know, just that they're just so solid, aren't they? They are, and there's been they've been experimenting with their lineup recently. Croatia, I think they're kind of in a really comfortable position at the moment with what they think they can do. And now I've seen in recent games that they're playing five at the back, three at the back, trying to overload certain centers, see if they can change it up, add a different um, dynamic to their their team. They'll be dangerous at the World Cup, I think. Um, yeah, I mean it could be a huge shot. Canada could nudge out Belgium and kill off this golden generation for good. Yeah, let's not um, forget either. I know it's four years apart, but Croatia are the the uh, current runners up from the yep. last World Cup. Um, Group Indeed G, they are. Group G has Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. Uh, what do you got for me? It's just <laughs> why are we going through all these? So random, isn't it? It feels uh, really uh, random. Brazil, uh, just should win with nine points, zero goals conceded, 10 plus goal difference. You think uh, so? I do think so. I okay. think Brazil are quite handy and it's not just because of Rafinha, all right, but it's mainly because of Rafinha. I'm hoping he has a massive World Cup. Um, oh no, it's not in the fucking summer anymore, is it? So it won't put a massive price tag on him. Uh, whatever. By that point, I won't even care about him. Let's go Cameroon, Serbia to, to go through. Brazil to capitulate in some kind of angst, just some dressing room angst. 7-1 loss. Yeah, to Cameroon. Cameroon. Um, no, I'm backing Brazil to win top of the group here. Uh, Serbia and Switzerland's an interesting battle. It is, yeah. Serbia be a really a, good game. Serbia had a really good qualifying campaign, uh, as, as did Switzerland, taking it to Italy a few times. Um yeah, interesting. It's hard to pick that way. Which way they go? Whoever finishes third into the Europa League, they do a Europa League, Europa World Cup. <laughs> you finish third. Shut up, shut up. They'll, you know they'll do it. Don't. Oh, they'll do it. Don't tempt them. They will do it. The final group. Let's get this shit over and done with. I don't know why we even bothered. Portugal, <laughs> Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. It's big footballing news. Okay. I oh, know. Oh, what? What? Who did you just say? All right, let's go Ghana. Ghana, Portugal, Uruguay. Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. Portugal go through the top. Wow. I mean, these it's probably our fault for not paying attention to the to the international qualifiers when it's they're 100% on, it our seems fault. Weak. It just it seems like a weak World Cup. It's a hundred percent our fault. It's not weak. These are all the best teams in the world that qualified. They're just spread out across eight groups. Uh, I don't rate it. I don't rate any of this. Do you hear that? Nice shift football has just written off the World Cup, not because of it being in Qatar, because we don't like the teams that are in it, which are all the <laughs> yeah. the teams that are always in it. But we don't they like it. They're like, why are you guys boycotting? Is it a political stand? It's like, no, we just think that Morocco, 
and Canada a gash. Trust me. You want to watch that? Trust me. Between now and the tournament, you will not get any better audio content about this World Cup than what you've just had. This is it. This is peak. This is the peak. It's, you're right. It's because it's all the same nations. And I think that is what I'm like, oh, here we go again four years later. And it's all still just like mainly the same superstars when you look at these nations as well. And you're like, oh, great. It's Neymar for Brazil. Oh, it's still Ronaldo I'm for sure, Um, Oh, awesome. I'm sure it's just our dislike for international football recently. And the Socceroos probably have a lot to do with that. But, um, you know, I guess we'll, we'll get a bit more excited when it comes around. For the for the football side of things, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have to because it's the only football on. So what else are we gonna talk about? Yeah, easy. Well, we can move on now because luckily there was plenty of other football, and there was a in particular a big one overnight. We're recording this on Monday, Sunday early early Sunday evening Australian time. Big Ange took his Celtic down to Ibrox to face Rangers, coming away with a two one win that leaves them six points clear with six games to go did you catch this one i saw portions of it does that count um sure blessed daylight savings by the way we're in that really nice period for a couple of weeks where it hasn't changed elsewhere and the games are just on ridiculously early yeah he doesn't love to local settle time down. in adelaide this one kicked off um so that was nice you know i thought also what was hilarious you know rangers withdrawing from the sydney super cup uh, was still not the most embarrassing result for the club this week. It's just when it rains, it pours, doesn't it? It seems that way. Um, the actual football itself ranges off to a flyer. Aaron Ramsey on the score sheet inside the opening few minutes. Celtic bounced back almost straight away. Tommy Rogic on the score sheet, his sixth old firm goal. Um, he hasn't scored one for a few years, though, and then pops up, bang, with a rebound. And then the American on loan from... Tottenham, Cameron Carter-Vickers scores the winner just before halftime. Celtic defend most of the second half, hitting on the counter-attack. Probably should have put the game to bed, but if Rangers had maybe just shown a bit more creativity in the final third, could have made it a bit more interesting, but they just couldn't really create any clear chances. Um, Lots of crosses in the box, not really hitting anyone, and Celtic defending it kind of comfortably in the end. Yeah, they showed um, the flip side to Ange Postacoglu's setup. And like when he can get the team together and like fighting behind that singular belief that he can install like a, a proper grit in the team. And they have to, they know when they have yep. to batten down the hatches and fight it out rather than, you know, try and continue to go and score more goals. Yeah, definitely. Um, he spoke to the, he spoke to BBC Scotland post game on the phone and, um, was talking about all that grit and stuff and talking about how the players the players up front show a lot of gratitude to the guys at the back for the job they do. And the guys at the back, in turn, show a lot of gratitude for the job. Uh, players like Jaco Marcus, the striker up front, um, he's been banging in goals recently, but even when he hasn't been scoring, his work rate is incredible. And he uh, often was back defending on the edge of the penalty area. He had two clearances, actually out of his own penalty area and then charged up the field to try and put the pressure on and win it again. He was everywhere. Um, yeah, just another intense old firm goes by that leaves everyone pretty well drained up by the end of it. Yeah, it did seem that way. You know, maybe maybe the most intense old firm in 10 years, um, just given how competitive both sides are now. Because even when Rangers came back into the league, Celtic were still 
you know, a couple of steps ahead. And then Celtic went on the slide a little bit. Rangers took full advantage. But now it looks like both of these teams are, are firing. You know, Maybe Rangers a little bit more depleted because of Steven Gerrard's departure. But in saying that, they're still having that nice European run. So, Yeah. Yeah, no, they can definitely put... Um, I don't know if they will put more eggs in the Europa League basket now. I, I said it the other week when they did the draw, but I'm backing them to get through against Braga. They're mm. definitely good enough, especially at home, to put a few away against them. Um, and, I mean, six points in six games. Like Celtic have only lost, dropped like six points in like the last five months or something. So they'd have to drop six points in these last six. It's not completely out of reach, but it's hard to see it happening. There is another old firm to come when the league splits in half and that for the last six games, um, last five games. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah. Yeah, pressure can tell. You know, we saw it do funny things in the Prem. Um, the thing, I think the thing that we're all forgetting about here is uh, Aaron Ramsey scored. So which ill-fated celebrity is going to die tomorrow? Um, I've got no guesses. ScoMo. Oh, I said a celebrity and also <laughs> ill-fated. Oh, sorry. I, I missed that criteria. Um, yeah, I don't know. Aaron Ramsey has been, he, he kind of took him a while to get going. He was not in the squad a lot because he wasn't quite ready to play. And now he is playing, but he's not getting full games. He doesn't quite seem to be having the impact a player of his caliber should on the park. But having said that, when they, when he did go off, they kind of looked, they lost a bit of spark in the midfield and they looked to that. That's when they started to get a bit more one-dimensional ranges. But um, I don't know, another another day they hit a few better crosses in and someone gets on the end of it or, you know, whatever. Yeah, it falls but, and breaks somewhere, a little bit like the first goal. Um, yeah, and the second goal Celtic got where it just kind of came off the defender and fell to the, the Celtic player who smashed it in. So, yeah, that's that. It is, it is remarkable seeing... Um, Tommy at this kind of form again. And just like I read something about like, you know how he plays with like that effortlessness and the nonchalance and the the big occasion doesn't get to him. And you could just see him gliding around that pitch, totally oblivious to the 50 odd thousand people screaming at him to make a mistake. Yeah. Tommy had been written off by pretty much everyone last year, myself included, and just come in and just managed him really well. He's used him in the games where he thinks Tommy can have more of an impact. And depending on which other midfielders are picked in the side with him, so he can kind of balance balance against Tommy's weaknesses. Um, but he steps up in these sort of games. And he, in the first 20 minutes when Celtic were a bit all over the place, there were spram passes everywhere, not hitting targets. He was probably the only player actually showing some composure, got rewarded with a goal. Uh, overall, he had an excellent game. Yeah, props to Tommy. And I guess, you know, in the past, I uh, have kind of supported, in a way, fans throwing things on the pitch at players, at coaching staff. So I can't really be too displeased about the glass that was thrown on the pitch um, by the Rangers fans at Joe Hart's goal. Why can't you be displeased by that? It's all about consistency. I'd be a hypocrite otherwise. You wouldn't. Um yeah, glass is a I, bit, isn't it? <laughs> well, they don't sell. There's no way they sell glass bottles at the ground. So someone's either snuck it in, or I don't know if they've got a bag of 
broken glass or their pockets, <laughs> put broken glass in their pockets and they've thrown it out there. I don't know if he's thrown the bottle on the pitch and it's broken or if he's smashed it somewhere and then thrown pieces out there. I, I don't know, but pretty despicable act. They were talking on the Scottish radio this morning about like using as much camera footage as they could to find find the guy and ban him for life and stuff. So we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, it's pretty bad. I know those those two sides love a good protest. They do like the they will throw the tennis balls on the pitch or toilet paper or something like that. But broken glass, like it's pretty idiotic because like Joe Hart's not the only guy that's going to be diving around in that penalty box. What about your the Rangers strikers and midfielders that are coming in or you know, that both sets of players are going to be in that penalty box. It just baffles me that someone would do such a thing. Um, and it's a shame because this sort of thing seems to happen a lot in Scotland. And it's not just Rangers, it's across the board. Um, just idiots everywhere. Just idiots. Yeah. There's been such a huge increase of idiots post-COVID. Um, and it's it's a shame that that creeping surveillance uh, is the only way to kind of get, get rid of this thing. And there's going to be a disservice to everyone really in the end of yeah, uh, let's move it on now. We'll go across to the English top flight, if you don't mind. Um, well, the old first division. Just a, just a couple of games that we'll cover. Uh, we're not going to go over all of them because, you know, we've done it to death. The relegation battle, the title battle, it's all kind of swings and roundabouts at the moment, going along swimmingly. But what we do, we do want to have a good chuckle about this one, don't we? Chelsea, 4-1 loss at home to Brentford. Wowzers. Brentford. This is all for the lols, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's for the lols. I, you know, before we get to the lols, maybe first and foremost, Brentford, congratulations on staying up. We wrote them off at the start of the season without any hope yep. whatsoever. And, I definitely did. You know, we're not proven wrong often, but when we are, we have to be, you know, at least would, a little. I would say we're proven wrong pretty often. <laughs> look, don't, don't look into that. That statement in itself could be wrong. Um, they broke a 83 year winless streak with this victory, which I think given that the two sides haven't really played each other in like 60 of those 80 years or been able to, I don't really think that's a record worth mentioning. It's not, is it? It It led every bulletin, every headline. They beat their West London counterparts. I was like, yeah, but. When do have they had the chance? <laughs> it makes it sound like they've been playing them five times a year. <laughs> yeah. It diminished. I almost think it diminishes the result or the, the magnitude of it all. Or maybe it amplifies it because they haven't been there. Nonetheless, uh, that'll be their win of the season for sure. And it does give them enough breathing space now um, away from the relegation battle. Yeah, for sure. Um, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. <laughs> when, like, firstly... Uh, we should mention Rudiger's goal. I, I notorious oh. like I've said on here a few times how much I dislike this guy because I think he's an absolute flog on the field. But he is probably he's probably the number one. Is he not the number one centre back in the world at the moment? Maybe behind Van Dyke. Huge. Perhaps call. I think he's, he's definitely the fastest. He's he's been really good. He um. But this this goal, incredible hit. And they saw when it went in, Kai Havertz just turned around and put his hands on his head in disbelief. <laughs> uh, but then, obviously, he went up the other end. Ericsson got on the score sheet. Uh, Janelt got two. Yeah, huge. This the scenes in the away end, remarkable. Huge. Yeah, the, the the way end was sick, wasn't it? They're like they've got a small but passionate fan base. They've got a, kind of a small stadium, so it's hard to fit any more in. Obviously, but 
you know, given it was so close, they definitely travel with numbers. They're great away fans. I know a lot of the Leeds fans were saying when Brentford came, um, it was one of the more fun games yep. enjoyed by all of them. Uh, I just, I thought it was really interesting that uh, Vitaly Janelt, the guy that scored two goals, uh, he's played 25 EPL games this season, uh, you know, scored one of the most audacious lob slash chips that I've seen from that kind <laughs> yeah. of angle. Um, and I still have no idea who this guy is. Where, no, where has he been all season? No idea. Never heard of him till this game. Admittedly, I have not watched a single Brentford game in full. I don't think. Yeah, you'd be pushing me. Outside of when they play Leeds, you'd be pushing me to watch Brentford as a neutral. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much what I got. His, his double, the first, like it's so well struck. It's Yeah, brilliant. Incredible. Um, Chelsea now in danger of being caught by like Spurs or Arsenal. The uh, well, what is the gap now? Like, five the gap's five points, but um, Arsenal with a game in hand on Chelsea, so you know it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure how much it matters now that third and fourth spot. I don't know, I don't know how these spots work in terms of the new Champions League format and things like that, but you know, they're about to auction away. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. I don't know. I don't think Chelsea are that in danger of missing out third. Uh, they've had it pretty much locked most of the season. I don't know. It would have to. I don't know. Arsenal yeah, no, would have to go on an incredible run to catch them. It's five points, but Arsenal have a game in hand, so you know could make it two points, and then you know who knows. Their form at the moment though would suggest it's uh, you know, you'd be almost backing Arsenal, but. Form swings around and around. So who knows? Arsenal play. By the time people hear this, Arsenal will have played Crystal Palace. So who knows? Uh, You wanted to have a good laugh about West Ham and Everton. I did. Tell us us about this one. It's not at West Ham's um, expense this time. So don't worry, guys. You're massive. You're still still massive. You're still the massivest. You're still the massivest massives. Um, You're still in the CL run. So by all means, go for it. But (laughs) Lampard, the saviour. The man, the myth. Oh, boy. Perhaps not the legend. His seventh defeat in 11 league games at the helm. Uh, the first Everton manager to lose his first four away games in the EPL era. He's just not that good, is he? Well, I don't think he is. And we've said this before. We said this when he got the Everton job. Um, I don't know. that He's not the first manager to fail with this Everton squad, though. So that may be a saving grace for him. But... I think he's going to struggle to get Premier League gigs after this one if they go down. I don't know. I reckon there'll be a job for him somewhere. There's always yeah. a job for, for old boy. Frankie, my mate. Job for the boys? Always job for the boys. Would he stay with Everton if they went down? Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe he'd scurry away into, into punditry, probably where he belongs. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's almost at the point he should be learning his trade managing an Audi or something. It's just he should not be given these brilliant opportunities to discredit and ultimately turn these clubs into, well, like you said, Everton haven't been performing well. And I think they've won three games since October, middle of October or something. And, you know, when you've got Richarlison and Cavalooan both missing glaring opportunities in the game, um, three consecutive red cards. So there's an, there's an ill discipline growing and a pressure getting to the guys. Um, it's just, I still can't think, I still can't help but think Benitez would be doing a better job. Mm, weird to say that because he wasn't doing a better job. 
Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I just think he would be more at least defensively sound or, you know, Everton weren't in this kind of drama before he left. Like Lampard has not come in and made them any better. And if anything, he's made them more contemptuous and more well, I think they're you know, just, ill-disciplined. I think their trajectory, the trajectory that they were on has just continued with Frank. He hasn't kind of stopped it or put a halt in it and turned it around. So it's just continued downwards. I, I still think they're going to get away with it. they got two games in hand on Watford below them. I know Burnley, Burnley have played the same amount of games as Everton as well, and they've, they're four points behind. So I don't know, still, still 10 games to play for those two sides. It's, you know, so it's interesting, but I, I say it every week, but they've probably got just enough quality to survive. Whereas Burnley probably don't. I, I don't know. I don't See, know. I'm, start, I'm starting to doubt that call, just given that the quality is starting to get back on the field when it can in between, you know, Keane and Alan and stuff like that being um, suspended. I just, I look at their last games and they've got, Arsenal, Brentford, Leicester twice, Chelsea, Liverpool, uh, Man United, Everton, uh, Everton, uh, Crystal Palace, and they've got Burnley during the week. If they don't beat Burnley during the week, I can legitimately see them only taking three points for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I don't know. I just can't see Burnley making up the points is all. It would be really tight, given if, if Burnley can win during the week. That's probably a, a game... One of those shitty relegation battles that you should get up for and have a good geese out because this will be balls to the wall mayhem, I reckon. Yep. And I suppose Watford aren't really out of it. They've just, the games in hand, um, you know, are against them there, but they're, you know, they're still around the mark. And if Everton keep playing like that crap, then, you know, they'll be in it. And Leeds wouldn't want to stutter too much either. No. And on, on top of that, Newcastle got spanked as well. So, you know, they you're, you're they're only all in the really. Mix. Yeah, you only have two massive defeats away from being relegated again. <laughs> or at least being in the heart of the conversation. Um, got no other actual specific games I want to cover from this week, but I just wanted to highlight some... Uh, <laughs> there was quite a few calamitous defending moments from the weekend that caught my eye yes. that I'll just bring up with you as a, as a former, former defender that you are. Um, start with the... The Norwich one, I'm not sure who the player was. If anyone saw this one, the handball that gave away gave away a penalty to Brighton, which Neil Mopay ended up missing, but it didn't cost them. They drew nil all in the end. But one of those ones where the cross comes in and for some reason he's punched it with his hand. He's, he's waving at someone in the crowd, man. <laughs> Have you ever done this? Uh, no, not in the box, no. Uh, one time I accidentally did it on the sideline, but that's because I was I was falling over and I kind of outstretched my arm yeah, in a way that tried to catch balance. No, I've never jumped with my arm completely vertical in the air and tried to hit the ball away under the guise of, I don't know, 50 different cameras and a video review system thinking that I could get away mm-hmm. with it. The best part of the whole thing was the Norwich complaints and the, <laughs> the protest of the referee after he called it. <laughs> Blatant. Jumped up, handball. We saw that in that um, World Cup. The last World Cup, I reckon it was, there was heaps of those given for defenders just jumping with their hands above their heads. Yeah, and it happened in the France Australia. It. it did, yeah. Um, crazy stuff. The other one that I caught was uh, Liverpool fans will enjoy this because we didn't talk about them, but Kuchka from Watford just rugby tackling Jota in the box. He's not facing the ball. He's... 
He's facing away from where the ball is coming in. The ball is going to land. You know, if there's no players there, the ball is going to, you know, it's landing in an area maybe five to 10 yards away from where Kuchka and Jota are, but he's still rugby tackling him anyway, pulls him to the ground. VAR <laughs> does its job and awards the penalty. Um, another crazy one. You ever done that? What, yeah, I have done that one. I've done that one you, a few you times. Because what, once you start, you can't stop. That's the thing. Yeah. And if they're, if they're too wily, like a, a Jota is, or you come up against a lot of, um, a lot of diminutive speedsters in <laughs> Sunday League, say that oh, yeah. much. Who have, you know, probably thrown an elbow into your ribs prior to that. So you're like, oh, come here, little shit. But no, you fall into the trap. Um, thankfully, there's no VAR on Sunday League. And pretty crazy that this wasn't picked up initially by anybody. Yeah, well, I guess the referee was watching the ball. That's just it's just because that's how far away it was from the ball. Like, it was just ridiculous defending. Um, and that's, that's a good example of VAR being used. Uh, another one I thought was funny. We don't need to dwell on it, but I did think it was funny. There was a Leeds player lying behind the wall when James Ward-Prowse scored his free kick. I don't know if they've ever watched James Ward-Prowse take free kicks, but I don't I don't imagine <laughs> smacking it under the wall is is prominent in there. <laughs> Not that I recall once, anyway. He's maybe once done it. And, just, and I, maybe you're trying to invite him to do it. You're I'm like, really not on, a big fan. Have a go. I'm not a big fan of the guy lying behind the wall. It's not for me. Nah, it wastes it. I think there's a danger of getting jumped on by your wall. I just, I can't. And, <laughs> and what, what, if it do, what if it does hit you in the head while you're laying on the ground and you can't see it? it the, back, the back of your skull. Alex <sighs> Ferguson would be furious. He'd say you could have been killed. Could have been killed. It could have been killed. Robin you Van Persie, could, wasn't it? it you couldn't pay killed. me enough to lay down at the foot of a wall. No, you just look silly, don't you? Yeah. It's <laughs> funny though. Anything. Kids on a kids on a Saturday morning now are copying that shit without any instruction yeah. from their coaches. I know. Just stand up, man. Um, the last one was uh, Ashley Young, Aston Villa, uh, stooping and heading the ball into the top bins of his own net. Uh, what was going on there? Uh, he's just a really dog shit footballer, is what I'm going to say. He's he's getting old, and I imagine he has uh, hand eye coordination issues. Fair. That was a that was a pretty simple header away. Or he could have hooked it with an opposite foot, potentially he, actually. He could have done anything. He could have done anything, anything. Other than what he did. <laughs> I like to think it's karma for his stupid comments about Arsenal celebrating a win against them the other week. Okay. He's also the guy that had a, a bird shit in his mouth once. Do you remember that? On TV. <laughs> We're never gonna never gonna <laughs> let him forget it. Ashley Young's mouth got shot in by a bird. Everyone remember it. All the trophies he won, and yet that's the thing that he's going to go down in history for. Yep, definitely. I reckon that might wrap us up for this week. That's probably a good place to end it. If you're going to take one thing away from this entire pod, it's that Ashley Young got it got shot on by a bird and it went in his mouth. Yeah. Have a, yeah. Enjoy. Maybe con- no, contextualize it. The, the World Cup this year is Ashley, Mal- uh, Ashley, Mal- Ashley Young getting shit in his mouth. <laughs> there you go. Enjoy your week, folks. Tune in for 60.1 if you want to hear some some crap about Adelaide and uh, and their loss to Melbourne victory. That's not going to be fun. But we love having a good win, so that'll be fun. All right. Bye. See you.